Welcome to Mending Fences, a podcast about effective ways to communicate and live with differences. I'm Patrice Bremner. And I'm Jen Hawthorne. We're both family law mediators and collaborative law attorneys, but our conversations go well beyond family law. We explore the personal, interpersonal, legal, and cultural impact of conflict. Hi, welcome back to Mending Fences. This is Patrice Bremner. I'm here with Jen Hawthorne. And today, Jen and I are going to talk about mediation, how it works, what it is, and what mediators do. I'm going to kick it over to Jen right now. If you can just start us off with maybe an overview of what mediators do. Thanks, Patrice. I would love to. So mediation is one of the out-of-court process choices that folks can use to come to an agreement. At its basic definition, mediation is when folks sit down with a neutral who's facilitating a conversation for them. That conversation is confidential and that conversation is voluntary. And it can be used for lots of different um, disputes that folks are going through. For the purpose of this conversation, because of what Patrice and I do for work, we're mostly going to talk about what it looks like in the context of divorce. One of the questions I get when I'm first talking to people who are considering mediation and you know people have heard the word but they don't really know what goes on and you know they've not seen a lot of mediation in the media or they don't know maybe a lot of people who've been through it so one of the questions I'll get is will the mediator be able to provide legal advice so because the mediator is acting as a neutral the mediator cannot provide legal advice meaning that a mediator can't tell someone this is in your best interest. This is the way you should frame an argument in front of a judge. This is what I think your best outcome in court would be. Instead, what the mediator can do is throughout the process, the mediator can provide lots and lots of legal information. And the real distinction there is that legal information is going to be presented to clients in the most neutral way possible, just discussing, you know, what do the actual words of a statute say? Or the the example I use most often is, you know, here in Massachusetts, how do the child support guidelines work and what numbers go into it? Um, and it's good for folks to know before they go into a mediation that even though the mediator is providing information in a neutral way, sometimes it is going to hit one or the other person in a way that feels a little bit not neutral. And that's okay. And that should be talked about in the mediation with both people present with the mediator. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and that's close to the way I describe it too, that I'm providing legal information, but not advice. And the next question I usually get from people is, well, how much can the mediator guide the conversation or will I help them know what they need to be talking about? Yeah, I get that question a lot too, Patrice. My answer to clients very often is, you know, mediation is a process, but it's not my process. So if they come into a mediation session with something that they both really want to talk about, that is what we talk about that day. If folks come in and they're not sure what to talk about, I absolutely can guide them through the topics that they need to talk about to have a full and complete divorce agreement. And so it depends how much individual families want me to guide them through the conversation. But if that's what folks need, mediators can do that. If they don't want that, usually I'll let them pick the topics. And then as we are sort of winding up, I will make sure we've touched on everything that needs to be discussed. So this is, I hadn't thought that I would be asking this question, but prior to a meeting, do you ever provide like an agenda to folks? 
sometimes I try to make my process as client-centered as possible. And I find some folks respond really well to having checklists. And very often they'll ask for that checklist and things like that. Um, Always at the end of the mediation session prior, we've talked about what's coming up and what is left to talk about. So they have some idea. I don't know if you've experienced this. Some of my clients want summaries with a, a formal agenda of what we're doing the next time. And other folks just want to kind of check off their homework items and see what that brings up mm. for the next session. And so I really try to craft each mediation in the way that best suits those clients. I Yeah, I tend not to provide... I think when I first started mediating, I would sometimes send out a summary or notes of what we discussed. And and now it's pretty much limited to just homework. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really client specific for me. If someone says, can you summarize what we just came to an agreement on? I will do that, but it's not my routine practice either. Yeah. So another question that comes up in those early conversations when people are considering mediation or wanting to learn more about mediation is, is there a role for attorneys? Do they need to have counsel to participate in mediation? If if the mediator is not providing the legal advice, where does it come from? So the way I usually frame that for clients right up front is to let them know that if they have a question that requires a legal opinion, I will flag that for them because I want to be absolutely certain as the neutral, I don't step over that line from legal information to legal opinion. The word need, do they need to have attorneys? I still leave that up to my clients, which I know is not the practice of all mediators here in Massachusetts. But I make sure that my clients know up front that it is something they have the right to do, to have advice of counsel, that it can be very helpful in making sure that they're both making the most best informed choices that they can for themselves. If they ask a legal opinion question, I reiterate that in the mediation process. And when there's an agreement drafted, I leave open language in our agreement that identifies who was review counsel or consultation counsel until they're ready to sign. Because I really want to make sure my clients remember if they are at all uncertain, they have the right to consult with counsel. Yeah, I think I I, I lean toward, uh, I don't require that people have attorneys, but I, I, I almost do. I really do feel strongly that people should have you know, it's an important legal decision when we talk about, and we're talking about divorce and custody and asset division. These are big legal decisions. And I do prefer that people have access to counsel. And and I, I usually recommend that folks talk to an attorney before they start mediation and at a minimum and at the end, and at a bare minimum, have that agreement reviewed by counsel before they sign for a couple of different reasons. It's it's so that they can hear in an unvarnished, non-neutral way what they're agreeing to and how that stacks up with you know what their rights and obligations might be if a judge decided, so that they'll know before they go to court. And a judge might, you know, I don't know, various courts, at least in Massachusetts, do treat these mediated agreements differently. And I do try to help people be prepared for that. But I know people don't want, people are maybe choosing mediation because they don't want to deal with lawyers. Yes, I hear that all the time from clients, that the reason they want to mediate is because they have friends or family or they've heard these horror stories of what happens in divorces when they consult with attorneys and how attorneys make things worse 
for some families. And so there are times where it is almost, I feel like I'm almost pushing my clients to get attorneys because I want to make sure that they have the answers that they need and that their agreement gets approved and they really don't want to. And ultimately it is their choice. So I make sure in those situations to really strongly point out it is possible in Massachusetts for a judge to reject an agreement. And so let's really talk through if that happens, what is your next action plan? Right. And I think I want to get to that question, like what happens when mediation doesn't work or you don't finalize your agreement in in mediation. But I also just wanted to include that when I recommend that people have access to counsel during, you know, mediation sort of outside of that room and attorneys can attend mediation as well. But I will encourage people to seek out attorneys who are going to support the process and be friendly to mediation, people who really understand it. And I think there are attorneys who, not because they're against mediation, they just don't fully understand how it works and might not be the best match for those those situations. Right. The way that I try to explain it to clients is I, I tell them that when they're looking for review counsel coming out of a mediation or during a mediation, going to someone who is either trained in mediation or trained in collaborative law or both and is really practiced at listening to folks out of court are the most likely attorneys to, instead of saying, well, this is what a judge would do, which might not be what the clients actually want to hear, instead ask, how did you arrive at this agreement in mediation? Give me the context for how you got here, and then I'll tell you how that matches up to what a judge might do or not and why. But the starting place in my mind should always be why. why. Why is this what you're doing? So let's get back to the what happens if it doesn't work. Because I think some of those attorneys who are maybe suspect of mediation, it's because they only see the cases that don't work. I totally agree. So there's lots of things that can happen if mediation doesn't work. And I think even defining is is mediation working or not is a conversation. Mm. It's not a, you know, it's clear if you meet these criteria that it's not working. Instead, if I feel like clients are having a hard time in mediation, my first step is, have you spoken to attorneys? Trying to get them to speak to attorneys. The next step is, would it be helpful if attorneys attended the mediation too? Which makes it feel sometimes a little bit more like a collaborative case. And then, would it be helpful if I met with you separately more and did more of a back and forth mediation instead of meeting all together? And if all of that isn't working, clients still have every other process choice available to them. And I usually tell clients what they have given up by trying mediation in the first place if it ultimately really doesn't work for them. So the time that they've spent on the mediation and the fees that they've paid to the mediator, but they have not given up any other process choice in what I call the process spectrum. Mm. So they could go back to working with just each other or they can sort of move forward in my spectrum and go to lawyer to lawyer negotiation or they can always file in court if they have to, if that's what might work best for them. And all of this comes with the ultimate question that I get from people is how long will it take and how much will it cost? And those are the questions in a consultation. (laughs) I always say I need to throw an asterisk up here because... I don't know folks well enough at the very beginning of a process to know that. An average mediation takes about three to five sessions and takes someplace between three and six months in my professional experience. I would agree. Yeah. I've had clients go both ways from that though. Like some folks just 
have done a lot of work on their own before they come to mediation and it's very quick. And other times we hit an issue or a topic that is really charged for those folks and it takes a lot longer. And so it's, it's a different process for everybody. And how long it takes really will drive how much it costs. Yes, absolutely. Because it is directly related to how much those professional, the professional mediator they're working with charges. And if they have attorneys, what, what does that cost? Um, so it's a variable figure that should be openly talked about during the mediation process to make sure it's working for the mm. clients financially. That's such a good point. Is there anything else you want to say in our initial how mediation works conversation? No, I think just if folks are finding themselves in the middle of a dispute, just always consider mediation and see if it could work for you. And keep talking. Absolutely, always. Thanks, Jen. And be curious. Yeah. <laughs>